Hi everyone, welcome to the Room of Lives. This is the final part of my conversation with Stefan Eccles. He's a fellow physics PhD student, but as you can tell if you've heard our conversation so far, that label doesn't quite sum up the whole person. And this really is one of the reasons that I wanted to portray people through this podcast, to bring to light how humans are these wonderful mosaics drawn from so many fields of possibility. As a fitting end to that idea, we'll discuss here the role that religion, spirituality, and morality has played in the lives of us two scientists. How was it for Stefan to grow up deeply Christian, then beginning to question its tenets, and starting to notice that his answers to the great questions of life were increasingly different from those of his community? How do science and religion collide on the questions of free will and the purpose of our lives? If there is anything that's common across the religions, what is it? And then, of course, the ultimate question of all. What does Stefan want to do after his PhD? We plan to talk a little bit about uh, the influences of religion and spirituality in your life. Oh, yeah. And I guess the best place to start that would be, you told me that growing up in a Christian family in Mormon, Utah, was a very formative uh, stage of your life. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, they're, they're kind of different. I mean, they... We're going on simultaneously, but I could give one talk about what it's like to grow up in Mormon, Utah, but more uh, my Christian background, I guess. So, yeah, I did grow up in this place that is 90% LDS or 90% or more. Um, that was very... Well, you said 90% what? 90% or more Mormon. Mormon, I, I, yeah. Yeah, or LDS. I think at one point they were... What, what is LDS? It stands for Latter-day Saint. Uh, I think at one point they preferred to be called that, but it's not like Mormon's derogatory or anything, so... Mm. I don't know. I'm out. I'll probably use them interchangeably. Mm. Um, so overall, I thought it was a great experience because they're usually pretty nice people, just as a rule. Mm. <laughs> from from what I understand, I, I did feel a little excluded from some. But things. Is there an actual rule that if you're a Mormon, <laughs> you have to be nice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think so, but it goes unsaid. It's one thing you're supposed to figure out upon conversion. Mm. Um, but. Uh, I was never excluded from anything, you know, intentionally because of not being, you know, being some other version of Christianity. Uh, but since so much of their culture is organized around the ward system, which is their churches set up kind of block by block, they organize a lot of social events around that. So if you're not in one of those, you miss out on a lot of the experiences that, you know, the other kids have in high school or in high school, usually younger years. You're um, telling, you're saying that the, the, the Mormon church is set up? Uh, by wards or the other ch churches? Uh, the Mormon churches. Okay. So they, yeah. they basically designate which church you go to by block. And it just because everyone there is Mormon, so they have to be systematic about it, they'll just put one church every so, every few blocks. And, and you go to the one that's close to you, and people ask, oh, which ward are you in? Um, and that's the designation for you know which Mormon, Mormon church do you go to. But it's a proxy for where do you live, kind of, um, who do you know, that sort of thing. Um, but so I guess that made me feel a little excluded just because of really early on, uh, 
the other kids were doing all their ward activities and stuff. But other than that, I wouldn't say it had a big effect. They were, it was fine. They didn't seem any different from me. I didn't seem different from them. Um, and overall, I think it probably made it a nicer high school and middle school experience than most places would be, at least based on the horror stories I hear about how ruthless kids are to each other. I still managed to convince myself that it was a terrible place to be and I didn't like anything school related, but it wasn't really because people were mean. There were a bunch of really nice people. Um, and I had a mix of friends, Mormons and non-Mormons. So, and th there's a dark side to the Mormonism too, as far as the, I mean, some people, for instance, if you're a homosexual and you're in the Mormon church, I think that's a very difficult experience. Um, but I mean, that didn't apply to me. So my experience with them was nothing but amicable and I'm really happy to have grown up there. Uh, my own family was, uh, a non-denominational version of Christian and in a really important way not just nominally like we were really involved in church activities a lot of my social group was church friends and stuff and that remained a really big part of my life up through I mean most of undergrad even you know a very long time and even today I don't like I don't throw it all out with bitterness and say oh I can't believe I was you know I can't believe some people have that attitude. I can't believe I was taken in by that for so long. I hate it mm -hmm. all. It's so dumb. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I, I still take a lot of depth from it, or I, th I think it was, you know, forming who I am morally. A lot of my ethics understanding comes from that still. Um, it probably makes me a nicer person than I would have been otherwise, like if left to my own devices, because part of it was training yourself to actually care about people. <laughs> um, and then so, so you believe that that kind of training is possible? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. At least I knew that I could, um, when I was practicing really for religious reasons, you know, uh, to view people in the way that I was supposed to view them. I did. Like, I pretty effectively could. And and I felt, you know, be pretty non-judgmental non and, you know, indiscriminate or whatever. Probably everyone feels they're like that. But, <laughs> but anyway, I think it... Uh, I don't know how well I've managed to hang on to that, but I think however however well I learned, you know, the technique of training myself into that uh, all those years, I think it was very useful practice. Um, in other ways, let's see. Um, I feel like a lot of people here, not here specifically, but, you know, in liberal academia or just non-Christian circles generally, are quick to make fun of it in a way that I wouldn't be. You mean, you mean Mormon? Uh, no, I'm Mormons talking about Christianity, Christianity in general. Christianity in general. Mormons oh, as well. Just and, religion. And, any religion, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, I, I always feel they have some caricature version of what the, the faith is. But to be fair to them, it's not entirely a straw man. There's like probably some large percentage of that faith that does have the caricatured, ridiculous version of the, mm. of the belief. But I at least learned that there were people who were more sophisticated in their you know, willing to wrestle with deep questions kind of thing. And in my own Christianity, it was people like my dad who were, you know, very well uh, informed philosophically, historically, just soaks up whatever he can read. These days, he's really into Jewish philosophy, I think. But mm. um, anyway, he had this enormous bookshelf, which I, that would also be, I guess, an uh, influence of him on me. <laughs> the things I picked off of his bookshelf got into history and philosophy that way. But uh, you know, 
there is a brand of Christianity, at least, and other faiths, I'm sure, that isn't just, or, you know, they're more acknowledging of, you know, the human aspects of the human influences in Christianity over the years, where some people just have this really dumb, naive view that it fell out of the sky and it's always been this way. Um, you know, there, there's people like my father he's the one example I, I would go to repeatedly but there's a lot of people like this who uh you know go back to really ancient views in the church and get what they can out of the theology and how it's evolved over time and um and i don't think that's all worthless even now even though i don't consider myself a christian uh partly just for historical reasons like in the same sense that any history is maybe interesting worth learning about the history of at least Europe and early America is very embedded in Christianity. Uh, so for that reason, it's interesting. But a lot of the philosophical debates that are otherwise interesting had their analog in early Christianity and probably other, other faiths too, but the ones I know about is usually early Christianity. Um, i trying to think of an example. Something that... Uh, like one thing that we've talked about is like free will, I guess. Um, where does it come from or is it real or is it is there any room for it in a world that's physically determined you know by physical laws um the analog of that in christianity is there was this idea of a god who is sovereign in the sense of like you know god is responsible for creating this entire universe and therefore he's responsible for you and everything you do how does how does your freedom come about if there is such a thing and how are you to blame how are you morally responsible for anything you do um that's the Christian version of the same debate we could have, you know, in completely secular circles of what role does free will have, if any, and how do you, you know, if you if you have a view that minimizes it, how do you reconcile that with just your subjective experience, and then how does that inform your view of morality and punishment, criminal justice system, like all those debates have an analog in really early Christianity, and I think there were some very insightful things said back then, um, which can't be thrown out just because they were coming from a christian framework any more than now i would throw out plato or something because he's so you know it's such a foreign way of thinking i think it's there's a lot of rich thought in the in the in the dialogue i guess mm. um, over history um let's see other ways i don't know is there anything specific you wanted to ask about as far as how it shaped me or well um i'm a little curious about so you grew up in a Christian family, but then um, you, mm. you went down the route of academia and particularly physics that aims to objectively unravel the, the, the cause and the fate of the universe and where we came from and the, and the nature of the cosmos. Um, in what ways would you say that has influenced or evolved your your spiritual or philosophical views sure um there's definitely thought to be a you know strong battle in america between people who have faith and people who look to science and there is like there there is a huge number of people who take the bible as this literal thing that explains the history of the world but there's also a ton of christians who don't see it as that and and i you know I always leaned towards the liberal side of theology to the extent that some of my friends would probably have called me a heretic if they knew my, my opinions on things. Like I, you know, 
I was definitely around that. People in my church would have taken, you know, the Genesis story, for example, as a literal history rather than, say, something that's supposed to explain our existential place in the universe before God or something like that. Um, but if you have a, an interpretation like the latter, it's there is no conflict in the, you know, the scientific story if you're just not trying to get science from the Bible, if you're not trying to get literal, his literal history from the Bible, then it's quite easy in that sense to, you know, to appreciate the science and still feel like it is something that your God could have, you know, been responsible for. Uh, so I never really had a huge problem with that. The things that bothered me, me more was that other people did not share my opinion. For one thing, I was like, um, I guess I'll give a little bit of history of how I eventually decided that I wasn't Christian. And I guess upon going to university, I was still really involved in Christian circles. Like I said, I played in that band um, for a Christian group. And I actually ended up leading a Christian small group, um, partly because the older guys who were leading it graduated and there was no one really to take it over. <laughs> and they were great guys. I still respect them a lot. Uh, but anyway, it kind of just fell on my lap of like, you could do it. And I guess I could take on that responsibility, but I had a really interesting mix of characters in the class, some of whom I knew would not agree with my views on things, like if I said even something as simple as, yeah, I don't think the this Genesis is, story is simple. This is during undergrad. This is, yeah, during yeah. undergrad. If I said, well, there were probably any number of topics where if I told them my leaning and my view on, you know, how... You know, the Bible is not this infallible thing. It's a very human-created document. Maybe God is speaking through it, but, you know, I had, I had, I would have a view like that. But I could not say that, or I felt like I couldn't, um, without them considering me a heretic, basically. Um, and this is all kind of in my imagination, because it never happened with that group. It did happen with other people, where I would just be honest about how I felt about things, and they immediately kind of, like, feared me. Like, oh, you're not even, you're not one of us. Like, you're a wolf in, sheep's, wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. <laughs> and I started to see how much of that whole mindset was fear-based. Like, there's a, there's a small group of people who's, like, willing to grapple with any difficult question you might have them about how they, you know, philosophically wrestle with the existence of a god versus, you know, a materialistic creation of the universe or... You know any any number of problems any any question you could throw at them there's a group of people who is happy to you know discuss it and wrestle with it and they have an answer and there's a whole variety of answers from that group um and they might not agree with each other they'll debate it but at least they'll consider the question other people will be like that's not we're not supposed to ask that sort of thing I'm like why are you asking that are you not a christian and i i just started to see so much of it as this fear-based enterprise that it kind of started to i mean i it left a bad taste in my mouth. And the group that I was leading also was like a big ethical dilemma for me because I wanted to be kind of an honest leader and an honest representative of this particular organization. By the way, when you say that there was a small Christian group that you were leading, what kind oh, of group yeah. is this? So small group is a phrase that you'll hear all the time in circles like that. And <laughs> uh, Dude, I just... grew up in India. I don't know what a small Christian group is. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so the Christian organization had these big meetings where anyone could come about a you know a bunch like i said maybe 500 people max would go to these big meetings and i think they're held once a week but also in like dormitories and over across the campus mm -hmm. there's just like 
people who have signed up for the same organization eventually become involved and become leaders in it. And they basically hold Bible studies and discussion groups like of maybe 10 people at a time or something like that. So that's a small group. Um, and there was one that had a really long history in the dorms that I was in. And it was a really cool group of people. Um, the previous leaders were awesome. And then they left and they had no one to hand it down to. And it just fell in my lap, as I said. And uh, I, I, you know, welcomed it as a challenge. And I tried, you know, so hard to be honest in discussion while not agitating people. <laughs> Which would have happened if I was really honest. So, uh but by this time, there were seeds of a form of skepticism towards the, 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 the organization. Um, yeah, I didn't really identify with I, any particular denomination. I wouldn't have even called myself. I would have been. I would have called myself this really liberal, like. And I use liberal not in the political sense. In the theological sense, it's asking questions like how literally and how infallible do you consider the Bible to be? Or what views do you have on what are the steps that you have to go through to be saved by this God and um, things like that. You're, depending on your answer to that, you'll be classed as liberal or conservative in a completely different sense from politically. Um, and I always gravitated towards the liberal answers because they were kind of the more all-inclusive of like, you know, other faiths have value too and maybe it's the same forces at work or whatever. In any number of ways, it just had this more what I considered a more open-minded interpretation, which was anathema to the more conservative side. That's that's heresy. That's going down really dangerous roads, which it is. I mean, it leads you to eventually leave altogether, like I did. But part of it was because I saw the reaction to it, and I saw how much of it was fear-based. It's like you guys just don't want to deal with the truth, or you don't want to ask questions that are difficult. Um, and that's again not to say everyone. There was actually a really big group of people who were very intellectual in that same group anyway but um i forget where i was going a minute ago <laughs> i was explaining the small group so i was struggling to be honest with it feeling like there was some sort of double standard going on like i was trying to live by whatever ethical standards that group would have laid out even if it wasn't necessarily for my own personal conviction and it was anything as simple as like, should you go out to a bar and be seen drinking alcohol? <laughs> like, and, uh, and I, and yeah, and that it's not like that was a hard rule, but to some people that would be considered, and to some people that would be considered something you shouldn't do as a Christian. Mm. So I was trying to live by like the stricter versions of the rules, just mm. so that I wouldn't cause problems. Mm. Says could... Stefan as he takes a sip from the cider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, I was trying to reconcile within myself, how am I not a hypocrite? Uh, and, you know, how am I leading this group if I don't even feel like I'm honest all the time? Or I'm not. It wasn't that I was dishonest. I was incredibly careful with how I would word things in these discussions. I would be, I would usually be like, well, you know, some people think this, some people think this. Who's to say? You know, and I'd list a bunch of views. My view is like this, and I may be combating the one on this other side, but I would do it in that way of like laying out views. Um, so I, yeah, as I said, I was trying to be as honest as I could, but I felt very not at ease in, with the situation. So I was really relieved when I graduated and moved on. And for the first time I was able to look at that same list of topics and just ask myself, okay, if you have to actually answer rather than just laying out the various things that people think and are within the range of possibility, 
what do you answer to these things? And uh, to a lot of them, I would just say, well, I don't even know. And surprisingly, for the first time in a long time, I felt at home with just saying, I don't know. Mm. Even with like the bigger questions of Christianity, um, I, I kind of decided I was happy with this kind of agnosticism about whatever this God, well, I came to the conclusion if this God wanted the people to act a certain way, you know, there's always an ethical component in every religion. If this God was really involved with the universe in that way, he'd probably care more about how we treat people than having the correct three pillars of doctrine in your understanding, things like that. And it probably isn't the latter that sends you to heaven. Probably it's, it's more like how you treat you. And that again is something that would be anathema to the earlier form of Christianity that I came from. It's, they would call it works-based salvation <laughs> instead of grace earn or grace salvation by grace or something like that, where you, you, you try and earn it through your own good works. And that's, I mean, you, you're, you're not supposed to be able to do that in Christianity. Um, so, so the, 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 according to the general doctrine of Christianity, you do not earn salvation by work. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So what, what is salvation by grace? Uh, so it's this idea that Christ, uh, came to this earth and somehow paid a penalty for all the wrongdoing or took some of the, took some of the suffering caused by your wrongdoing upon himself in some way in some, you know, greater than just literal event way, or, I mean, maybe, maybe literal event, but in some, you know, grand scheme of things is, is doing this move that says, I, I will, I will not hold you accountable for thing, for these things even, but without me, if my judgment fell upon you, since I'm a perfect God, you would all be just doomed to burn forever or whatever. Um, so that that's the grace it's the gift that's not deserved um mm. so, so it's still it's, it's divine still seemed, grace it's not your own grace yeah 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 and it, it still seems perfectly compatible to me it always did that well maybe you know christ creates this pathway uh or or yeah it's not your it's not your works that earn it but it's also not just some doctrinal statement of like oh yeah i believe that christ did that like some some I, I thought the doctrinal statement was completely ir irrelevant, partly because you know, there's so many people in the world who have no version of Christianity as such. Um, but other people would strongly disagree. In any case, that's the type of thing that I, I would have hated as a young kid. I would have been taught, you know, that's the exact wrong conclusion to come to. You know, let's say... Uh, Salvation through your works is uh, or a works-based salvation, I guess, is what, what it's called. Mm -hmm. But I, I eventually finally realized, like, giving something a name and saying it scornfully doesn't actually make it the inferior position necessarily. So I went. I thought I'm actually more comfortable with that. It makes more sense to me. Uh, not that you're earning anything, but just that that's what would be more important to this God. Um, so with that, I decided I wasn't a traditional Christian. And then I just decided I was happy not knowing the answers to any of those questions. So, <laughs> yeah. It's a very yeah. long-winded way of describing it. But. Yeah. Um, this just reminds me, the salvation by work reminds, reminds me, um, what was this, 
concentration camp in Poland where they gassed the Jewish people? Um, uh, in Poland, um, I mean, during the Holocaust, uh, it was a, you know, the, the, with the poison gas. So, it just the the, the not Auschwitz. It's Auschwitz. Oh, it is Auschwitz. Okay. I think that's in Poland. Okay. There was this um, the iron gates leading to the the concentration camp through which the railroad tracks went um, had this lettering on it that said "Arbeit macht frei," hmm. and it means "work will set you free." <laughs> <laughs> and That's they would funny. have to do forced hard labor in those camps. I mean, I'm not oh, drawing man. any parallels. It's just that when he said salvation by work was not along the lines of the general Christian doctrine. Um, it just uh, reminded me of uh, this Auschwitz. Yeah, motto. it is the exact same wording. Now you could maybe say that's uh, an American ideal. <laughs> yeah. So I remember you telling me at some point that as you stayed in academia and you became increasingly more liberal and skeptical of um, the conservative view, it caused some uh, degree of feeling more distant and unconnected from the Christian community of, of friends, and I don't know if this includes relatives that you came from, and that this was in fact a source of some stress in your life. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about that? The nature of this? Yeah, there's people in that very same small group and people that I knew from undergrad days, from childhood, where our relationship was based around our church community and, and family. Um, yeah, I mean, some a huge percentage of the people I spent a lot of time with and cared about were part of the Christian faith. And again, not just in some nominal oh yeah we, 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 if you asked us what religion we are we'd say Christian but no very involved and very you know very real part of their daily life even um, and leaving that behind sad for me but also the fact that now I know that it's sad for them because depending depending on which one I'm talking about they might now I mean consider me just a lost person or I don't know what I don't know what any individual of them would say about what that means for me in the grand scheme of things but it's inevitably a sad, sad thing for them because it would have been for me. Um, anytime someone you respect or someone you care about or someone you're close to uh, leaves your faith, that's kind of a little blow in a pretty personal way. Mm. Um, and it made me... I didn't, like, I didn't receive a ton of like judgment, people just saying, you can't talk to me anymore, but I felt like I didn't know how to talk to some people. People who I used to very close to suddenly we didn't have this thing connecting us and in a way I felt like it was because I had let them down so I I mean I think no hard feelings but I don't know how to continue this relationship in a productive way um, I don't know partly it's also just I don't I don't keep up relationships well when I move to new places. <laughs> I just keep to myself all the time. So, um, 
but I mean, my family, uh, my immediate family, uh, it's not like I'm going to cut them out of my life, but I know it's sad for, for like my mom, especially, um, she sees it as an enormous deal. Um, I don't know about my siblings, but yeah, it, it causes rifts and they're hazy still in my mind. I don't know what the rift is, how much it's just in my mind, how much it's enormous. It probably depends on which individual I'm talking about, but there are definitely some enormous rifts with people I was really close to. Um, I don't know what more I should say about that. But. Yeah. Yeah. You said that your uh, father is um, starting to read more about Jewish philosophy. Yeah, um, he's always thought, he's always run in circles of evangelical Christianity, as it's called where he's never felt totally at home, I think, because he hasn't had that many people who are willing to discuss at this really open intellectual level. Um, and now he has a few friends who are. But he was really impressed by Martin Buber, was one. Um, and when you and Jewish philosophers could mean anything from uh, people who contribute to, to writing about the Torah, you know, and early hundreds BC or AC, sorry. Um, AD. AD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or it could mean the modern variety of where there's a huge strand of, you know, Judaism now is not just a religion. It's, there's this cultural history mm. and there's a lot of thought that isn't spiritual at all, but it's more ethical, I guess you'd say. How are we to act in this world towards one another? And they have a lot of really beautiful analogies, which he has shared with me. Um, I, I don't have a deep understanding of it, with, of it though, so or I don't have a full picture of it, so I wouldn't want to try and explain it on a podcast. But mm. anyway, he finds a lot of richness there, and he thinks they have very accurate understanding of things that modern evangelical Christianity just misses the point of, like, this, no, 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 Jesus was a Jew for one thing, and <laughs> uh, a lot of his message, according to some people, goes over the heads of the modern day Christianity who have turned it into just a set of strict doctrinal things about history and not something you know, mission, missing a lot of the richness that should be coming from it. Mm -hmm. the, the interesting thing is, I mean, you know that, I think I've told you before that although I was born in India and to people outside India, the country is usually seen as a very religious one, as the birthplace of a bunch of uh, religions um, I was born in a fairly non-religious family um, and I was an atheist since a very young age um, but lately I've started getting into the, the, the philosophical aspects of Buddhism I still am an atheist but um, I think in the last several decades, uh, there has been an introduction of Eastern um, philosophies like Buddhism into the West. And a lot of the people who have done this are, are traditionally Jewish. Um, hmm. So, um, for example, there's... Um, well, there are a couple of names that I could mention, but I mean, they're not popular enough for you to recognize. Uh, this whole technique, for example, of uh, mindfulness meditation that has 
become all the uh, all the rage now was introduced in a medical context by oh my god these are all names john kabat-zinn and uh, i mean i think he was one of this like it, it's it's called this group there is a certain name for these people who were raised jewish and then got interested in buddhism the point i'm trying to make is i think at the heart of every or most religions is a very small simple list of universal truths and the rest of it is the history the historical evolution and the construction of uh, theories and ideologies around those very simple truths and the simple truths are universal and they're common across all of the religions but all of the rest of the stuff take their very different forms depending on uh, the culture and the and the historical evolution of the people who who you know uh, pass these down the generations and these could take very different forms depending on their particular cultural history so i think this is just my opinion that once you start getting closer and closer to the true core of any religion you start getting closer to the true core of all religions um and i think the 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 really central message there is something that is um independent of cultural context that's independent of any um ethnic considerations or any kind of historical considerations it's some it's a it's a message of um uh tolerance and uh um i think i think it's a message of trying to understand the other person's point of view it's i think it's a message of love that i think it's it's very it, it transcends a lot of the uh the other factors that uh unfortunately as a consequence of human nature find their way into the religious doctrine over the um over the years but the reason i got into buddhism is i think in my opinion it's the it's one of the modern forms of religion that is the least burdened with all of these other accessories mm-hmm. although it does have its own uh version of metaphysics and things that happen when you die or whatever mm-hmm. um but i think i didn't have to peel off too many layers of that onion before uh getting to something that i could study or practice in a secular context but anyway i just thought you know um there was something that was relevant enough to bring up at this point yeah that's interesting buddhism is one of the f- the few religions that i never read that much about growing mm. up honestly but i know that it contrasts with christianity especially in the sense that christianity is intentionally a very historical religion like it's it's the story of how god chose to interact with this world this specific world in this very specific way at this specific point in history and and how that eventually is going to be a good thing for everyone <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that's what it's based on and, i mean the philosophic the more general ethical truths um while i consider that to be what's at the heart i know a lot of people who would not consider that to be what's at the heart of christianity but i think that's unfortunate i wish yeah i wish people would more readily compare religions and identify those universal things and not at least the people i knew would probably strongly reject that idea like mm. you know you, you want your religion to be different <laughs> mm. you don't be like oh it's all the same that wishy-washy <laughs> whatever it doesn't matter 
Yeah. That's that's an attitude that they would completely reject, I know. Yeah. But I, I really liked reading uh, Karen Armstrong, is one author of, she's a scholar of comparative religion. And she wasn't really expounding upon the ethics so much as the history, but she was, well, she's a little of both, I guess. But I think she started as a Catholic nun and then rejected it and kind of went out with an angry anti-religious bent at first and then eventually came around to like, no, there's a lot of like a lot of wisdom here and her later books turned that direction. But in the middle, she wrote a lot of excellent books um, of just comparing, you know, Buddhism and Islam and Christianity and explaining each of their history in great detail. Like <laughs> she's she definitely knows what she's talking about. As far, but it is focusing on the history, which maybe that's not what you're driving mm. at. Comparative religions can be done, even even seeing how ideas emerge out of uh, the local cultural context, and maybe you can compare that to how the idea emerged in a similar cultural context somewhere else. Um, rather than, I mean, that that's fun to do as well. <laughs> rather than just point out how oh these ideas are similar, but um, mm. I don't know, both are fun. Mm. Not that I've had any time for it lately. I definitely don't think about these things very much anymore. Do you believe in God? Um, I'd call myself an agnostic. I used to call myself a theist, like in the most general sense. And sometimes I still do, I think, actually. Um, but it, it, I mean, I have to, I have to qualify that question well what exactly do you mean by god because a lot of people have a particular mm. thing in mind which i think is incredibly dumb but maybe if you defined it right i would say yeah i think there probably is some force like that in the universe but uh, but whether or not it's a force with personality or somehow something just imbued throughout i, I mean i'm really just happy saying i don't know kind yeah. of but yeah that's, at least yeah. for now not not that I'll never change my opinion on things but yeah I think I don't know is an answer that is severely underestimated <laughs> yeah yeah true yeah my fault usually is probably trying to come up with an answer on the spot and then realizing 10 minutes later like, <laughs> oh no 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 no, that was really that was not at all what I believe <laughs> yeah yeah so, uh, for the last question of this episode, the last question, <laughs> the last question ever that ever needs to be answered. Um, what do you have any plans post PhD for your personal or professional life? Um, let's see. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. As far as the type of work that I end up doing. I have to. I kind of have to see how these next couple of years go in research to answer that. But I'm definitely considering making a jump to some sort of uh, either data analysis or programming job. My brother's a programmer, mm. and um, you know he finished his degree four years after I did. But he's already just, he's got a great job. I don't think he loves his job, but it definitely facilitates a lot of travel. He loves traveling around. He likes Salt Lake City where he lives. He, he's bought a condo. He's, you know, he's comfortable enjoying what, you know, the easy lifestyle that it allows him. And I'm pretty jealous of that. On, I mean, not that dude, I think. Dude, Austin is cooler than Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm trying to convince him to move here. So yeah. I, 
he he might even consider it. But he has a girlfriend there, and I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they've got a really good landscape around Salt Lake City, and you can go up and ski in the yeah, mountains. Yeah, the city itself is cooler in Austin. Yeah, although I agree. I've never spent, I've never lived in Salt Lake City. I think it's a decent city these days, but. Yeah, not uh, no, to I don't think it is. It, it really? compares to Austin in terms <laughs> oh, of. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're comparing it to a place with a lot of interesting stuff to do, though. Mm. But yeah, anyone who lives in Utah and likes living in Utah is probably an outdoorsy person. They're there for the Red Rock down south or the mountains nearby and the skiing and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I've considered trying to go a route more like that and just finding a job that. Uh, is moderately interesting but uh, pays the bills kind of thing whereas before my I always would have said interest in what I'm asked to do in a problem-solving sense is my highest priority by far I think it still is I think I'll come back to that I think I'd be dissatisfied if I was in something I considered boring no matter how well it paid um, but I'm trying to be more open-minded about possibilities other than that, I can't say much career-wise. Um, I have a girlfriend who lives in Colorado, and she's tied to uh, archaeology jobs. So it will probably be different if I if I stay in strict physics academic jobs and she stays in strict archaeology jobs. It will probably be a long challenge to land us a place where we both have a job that we like. We're both pretty career-oriented people, I'd say. Um, other than that... I would really like to get back into nature out west. I love the western United States a lot. I love the Rocky Mountains and the Utah, Arizona, Colorado deserts areas. Um, but the fact that I picked up jujitsu since I came here, now I think I might have to go somewhere with a jujitsu gym. I'm just that addicted to it. So that really, I would have been happy to live in a really rural area. Wow. Yeah. Now it's like, well, it has to be at least big enough to have some jiu-jitsu gyms. <laughs> and this, this jiu-jitsu must be... It's pretty yeah, good. Pretty, yeah, free advertisement dope. for Empire Jiu-Jitsu. Great little place. <laughs> Learn from... Hey, you're not supposed to advertise on my podcast. No, <laughs> it's no it's happening. You can do it. Yeah, come, uh, the the selling point, or one of the selling points was the professor there was, was uh, Christina Dell. Uh, fantastic teacher. She's one of the only black... No, she's the only female black belt that uh, Helson Gracie ever had, I believe. So that was a big, you know, you're getting quality Gracie jiu-jitsu if you go there. I haven't explored many other gyms, honestly. But whenever they come in, it's never like, oh, they're so much better than us. Plenty of people come and visit from other styles and stuff. Um, and she's not actually teaching that much anymore because she's had a kid. But uh, the main teacher now is also fantastic to learn from because he's a little guy. And you know, if you're little and you make it that far in jiu-jitsu, it must be because you're actually good, not just because you're strong or whatever. Mm. But, and then there's another instructor who's also really good at the self-defense stuff, especially. So, yeah, come by, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that recommendation, I guess uh, we'll wrap up this episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for doing this. And I hope you let someone interview you i'm keenly aware that i was talking like 95 percent of the time that was deliberate. Sorry for that. <laughs> that is deliberately designed um, you need but, to swap roles then at some point oh uh, well i plan to do a little episode at the very beginning that's going to be episode one 
that will be a brief description of who I am, what I'm doing with this, and what I've done with my life so far. Oh, great, great. So, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Well, folks, that's all for this edition of the Room of Lives podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us. I hope there was some part of this conversation that you found useful. If you listen to the whole thing, I stand impressed. And I congratulate you on your patience in this era of constant low-hanging fruits of distraction. So, until next time, take care of yourself. Don't worry too much. We're all gonna die anyway.